Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of A Pod Divided here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ. Many forget, not on this pod, not here, not after a week away, where Everything HQ still resides, top 10 basketball, top 10 baseball, right there on the border of top 10. Is it even baseball season right now? It's always baseball season here in Knoxville, Tennessee, <laughs> Matt Green, when you're the, the king of the kings in the sport and uh, uh, you, you've you got Manny Ramirez, son in the fold, like it's just a little bit different. I, I know you, you Athens folks, that right? Know. Yeah, y'all are in dormant uh, right now, but you know, uh, maybe one day, maybe the new coach will be the guy that gets Georgia baseball back on track. You do have a top five player uh, this year going to the draft, so uh, Cognon, what is it? Uh, some Was uh, it Lanolin? No, it's like sheep it's, like, it's two C names. Um, I was quoting Ron Burgundy. Uh, no, I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't even know what their class is. I have seen a couple like really big time dudes. I think that are like high school. Well, no, he's already there. Players. Like he's been there for a couple of years. It's pretty good. Yeah, he sure. gave Georgia. He gave Tennessee a lot of problems last year. Um, this is where we're at with Georgia baseball fans. They don't even know who their best player is. He's a top five guy going into uh, this year. No idea. On no idea. I'm pulling yeah. it up right now because it's going to drive me nuts. Not Craig Collins, not Clayton. Yeah, Chadwick. in terms of uh, here's a players that like weren't never played for one of my teams. I Charlie like Gondon, Manor. that's it. Charlie Gondon, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, in terms of players who never played for one of my teams, um, I think Manny Ramirez. He's got to be up there of uh, just one of mm-hmm. the one of the all time greats. Just Manny being Manny. Absolutely. Well, fellow University of North Georgia alumni. Matt Green is here, as you've heard, uh, jumping out of the the gate here. He's feeling good. His team finishes number one uh, in the 2024 recruiting rankings uh, this year. Early National Signing Day wrapping up with some big names still out there. Tennessee still talking with the five-star defensive tackle McKinley, 
who did not sign with Texas A&M today, so we'll see where he ends up. Jordan Seaton still looming out there. Uh, he was on Instagram Live before we got on here. Boo Carter and other folks were talking to him on there, so we'll see what Jordan Seaton still ends up doing now. Looks like Maryland is the favorite, the home state originally for Jordan after him going on national television to pick Colorado uh, two weeks ago. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens there, but uh, most of the dust has settled. Uh, even some late drama, whether or not Jeremiah Smith actually put pen to paper yeah. uh, on his Ohio State commitment. But he is which, official now. Yeah, just real hilarious stuff um, on that front. But it was uh, this was like the most high school or the most like throwback college football signing day we've had in a long time. And I don't know if you feel that way where the last couple of years, it felt like we haven't been glued to what's going on throughout the day and like all the crazy flips and all the crazy uh, last minute changes and the uncertainty with so many top programs and so many guys and where they might end up. I feel like this was the most entertaining drama filled, crazy national signing day in college. Well, we've had in a really long time. This was like actually a lot of fun throughout the whole day. My team didn't have any flips and it was, uh, it was fine. It was just business as usual. So maybe that's why I enjoyed it more <laughs> because there wasn't a whole lot of drama with Tennessee's class today, but I don't know. I, I don't know if you felt the same way, but I felt like this was a big win for college football that it was this kind of crazy and this much uh, intrigue all across the board. Yeah, I mean, I I guess there was there was some like weird instances that were entertaining today, but I, I don't think we'll ever get back to like anywhere close to what it used to be. You know, I think they said like ninety five percent of the top twenty four seven was like committed already coming into the day. It's like we're used to like. ESPN and like these other CBS sports and stuff would have these national commitment uh, ceremonies and everything like on the air. And it's like, it felt like today, just kind of watching the coverage, I was watching a lot of the 24 seven uh, YouTube uh, coverage and it's, it was going for like seven straight hours. And it was a lot of just like checking in like, Oh, let's go to this team. Let's break down this position. It wasn't as much of, it was honestly better because it's recruiting has gotten so hectic. I'm like, I just kind of want to educate myself on who's who's bringing in what. So it wasn't mm -hmm. as crazy of just like, okay, at 8:45 we got so and so committing, and then at 9:30 we got so and so committing, and then 11 o'clock, you know. So I don't think we'll ever get like that old era of just like mm -mm. just madness and not knowing what guys are gonna do, pulling out puppy dogs and and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, Jeremiah Smith. A person pretending to sign uh that's that's definitely new for me yeah i mean stuff like that is just it's great you have coaches actively complaining about where they thought they were with guys um going into the day and coaches catching feelings um with certain players picking uh certain teams late and then i mean we had the the florida drop today which had to be demoralizing if you're a florida fan um where are they at 15th now is it, it's all said and done i want to say uh, they're now at 16th. Oof. And folks, they were top five like less than a week ago. And uh, it got bad in a hurry. Um, so let me, I got a yeah. little bit to say about Florida real quick. Okay. I'm going to, I want to take you in a time machine, sir. It's the morning of October 28th, right? World's largest outdoor cocktail party is that day. The Gators are sitting at five and two. LJ McCray just committed that week. Got the third ranked recruiting class in the country. Like, still a legitimate chance to win the SEC. One conference loss going to that. 
In less than two months, all Florida has done is lose five straight games, miss a bowl game, lose, I think, six four-star commits and at least one five-star, go from the third-ranked recruiting class in the country to now 16th in less than two months. Like, I've never seen this, like, this just, like, level of, I don't know, collapse ever in a, in a college football program. I've, I've never seen an offseason so bad that you were like, yeah, we should just fire the coach. But but like that's I feel like I I I I was a Georgia fan under the Mark during the Mark Richt era. Like you don't know the negativity that Georgia fans experienced from 2010 to 2015. It was just a toxic and it was a toxic environment to be a fan. And that's a program that what made multiple SEC championships during that period, won 10 games probably like three or four times. And it was a toxic atmosphere. I don't, I cannot imagine what positive comments are coming out of Florida fans' mouths right now, and especially going in next September when legitimately you're going to have 11 games next year that are a, a single digit point spread. Like, they're not going to be favored to beat half their schedule. Like, so with the recruiting was the saving grace. And that's kind of what I told you. And, and what one of my kind of reservations on Hypel is, is not having that at that bump class, even though he had a really great, great year too, he didn't get that top five class for Billy Napier to get the off field recruiting uh, success before the on field success. It's like, that's almost more impressive. He's selling a vision. People are buying in Florida with a third ranked recruiting class. Like, that's legit. I don't. I don't care if, if we're missing bowl games, like year one, year two. Like, I guess they did make a bowl game. But they they lost it year one, but that was enough saving grace to like, okay, Florida's moving in the right direction. At sixteenth, like the recruiting's not good. We're gonna lose. We're. I I don't think this team's gonna go to a bowl game next year. There's a lot that still's got to happen in the portal and everything. But man, I just cannot imagine. I can't. I can't remember another like more toxic. Just like completely negative vibe around an entire program like Florida is right now. It was just every time you looked up today, another Florida dude was, was flipping to Auburn to, to Texas A&M. Like it was just, it was outrageous. They did at least hold on to DJ Lagway and LJ McCray, which are two big holds two five stars for sure. Mm -hmm. But man, it's um, well, I think they're only down to like 16 commits at this point. So yeah, it's bad. That's also one of the other jarring things is you go through and you're looking at rankings and you're going through who has it what and then like Colorado's like six commits and you just look at all these different schools with like crazy disparity between the number of commits. That's also just I don't know if that's ever going to be normal for me where it's just really weird. Now we're including transfers in the classes. So you're seeing those like welcome to blank and it's also some transfers and you're just I just couldn't imagine being a casual college football fan. Like it's got to be just extremely overwhelming. No, that's definitely true. It's uh, they're they're, they're turning more and more of us into casuals because we're just like, I can't keep up with this. How much was this nil value? I don't care. I just want to watch him play on Saturday. I, that that part I don't really pay attention to because like that's just not out there in the open, and that's just like there's no reason unless you're working for a collective, uh, to really need to know, uh, stuff like that. But I will say, I mean. It it was a it was an interesting day by and large uh, to the end and I'm just glad that we had some entry because it was kind of a throwback and with the calendar being what it is and bowl season which we can touch on real quick 
you and I, I was wondering if you had been, because we obviously were gone last week, so we didn't uh, do bull picks or anything like that. And like this year, I mean, we did it last year and Matt, I just, bull season's cooked. Like part of me, it, it's really sad that this is where we're at, but I also don't think it's really the playoffs fault. Like it's not a playoff issue. What's happened now is the portal being so wide open and kids having to leave at this point in time, all of these kids having to because the semester starts and they're trying to jump in the boat because also the early national signing day is December is right now on December 21st. So guys are having to make quick decisions. They're seeing what spots are open. They're trying to jump in different boats to make sure they don't get left behind. So the portal, you have uh, over, what, 1,200 kids and all this stuff. Like, it's a crazy number of people. So you have all these opt-outs. You have uh, guys getting ready for the draft. You have guys having to uh, jump out and go into their next team and leave their team. You also have, like, freshmen coming in uh, who are coming into campus early. So they're practicing with the team. Um, You have, obviously, like I said, the bowl opt-outs for the seniors who are getting ready for the draft. And then you have coaching changes because there was a lot of coaching movement, too. And you're like, it's just a recipe for disaster all across the board. And I just don't know how you get this on the right track because the calendar is so messed up in college football. I don't know how you fix this because classes start in January and guys have to leave with the, the way the calendar is structured. And if that's the case, all these are glorified scrimmages like Tennessee's down to just a couple bodies at corner because of all the turnover and stuff like that. It's just, it's not, they're not real games. And I, I just, I, I don't know. It it just is a major bummer. I don't know if you feel the same, but I'm like, I don't want to be negative about this, but I just, I don't know another way of just, just saying that like, I, it's bad. Like the bowl season's cooked. Yeah. Without a doubt. Like I'll, I have thoughts about the college ball calendar, but I'll, I'll get to, I'll get to that in a minute, but I look at it. I think the college ball playoff gets, gets blamed for mm-hmm. killing bowl season. I don't know that that's what it was. It seems like that's around the time that we started to hear talk about, you know, meaningless bowl games and, and the Christian McCaffrey's of the world sitting out of bowl games and things like that. I don't, you know, part of it could have just been, was it maybe just the Jalen Smith injury uh, in the Fiesta bowl that one year that may really turned him from like a top five pick to like a second round pick um, to play in a Fiesta bowl versus Ohio state that, was a top 10 matchup, but there was nothing really on the line. Like, mm. so maybe more players took notice of that. And it's like, this, this game really isn't worth it. I can't necessarily, it's, it's a bummer as a fan, um, you know, to see these big time games. Uh, but we could deal with that. You know, we could deal with, okay, well, yeah, he's going to be a first rounder. He's not going to play. We're going to see Florida and Oklahoma play. And, Florida's best three skill players are out and Oklahoma's got all these players opting out. But now that this, this transfer portal aspect uh, variable is thrown in there. Now it's like, we got to fill a, we got to fill a roster. Mm -hmm. Like I, that's where I don't know how they're going to, how this is really a sustainable model. Like I just, you're, you're seeing now, like we, we talked about, uh, a few weeks ago, like Alabama hired a Michigan, a, a coach that Michigan fired, a guy that was on hit their staff this year. And it's like, mm-hmm. he's going to be a part of the bowl prep. Like, okay, so what's preventing a, a, a player from leaving a team this year and then being a part of the, the team for the bowl game? Like, mm-hmm. I think honestly, Malik Murphy transfer, going to the portal is like, should be like the red flag 
of all red flags that it's like college football is in a crisis. Like heaven forbid Quinn Ewers gets hurt in a college mm-hmm. football playoff game and they got to go to their backup quarterback and they're going to go to a third stringer that's played what how obviously he's arch Manning's like a big time prospect, but they're going to go to a guy who's basically hasn't played all season. Mm-hmm. Like Malik Murphy has been and Quinn Ewers is down and Malik Murphy actually had to start a game or two. And because of the how jacked up the college football calendar is, this guy feels like I have to go somewhere else for like my career. For I need to go ahead and get somewhere, enroll for the spring semester. And like that's that's just we're in a huge it's until it, it wasn't affecting the playoff. It sucked for those other bowl games. Now that's affected the playoff that players are not sticking around for actual playoff games. Like this is a this is a red flag. And we're not blaming Malik. Like Malik was sad. That's even the worst part. Is like yeah. he was upset that he's having to do it. He's like, look, man, like I don't know what else to do. Like the calendar is what the calendar is, and all these spots are gonna fill up. I have to go. So you're like, ah, uh, I mean, I don't know how you fix that though, because the calendar is what the calendar is. So when we expand the playoff, are we gonna have some that opt out after the first round <laughs> because of when the playoffs are, and then they see the landscape where like Malik is there for the first game, and then he's gone for the second one because uh, he just finally has to jump out. I mean, it's like I know so I'm starting up. at Baylor and we're in the playoff, but I could start at Alabama next year if I go ahead and mm-hmm. just and leave and enroll early. Um, yeah, so I this is this is what my my proposal for the college football calendar. We've talked about mm. it a few times before. Early signing day should be in August, and there is no getting out of signing early. Your early letter of intent, if a coach or something leaves, like if you mm. sign in August, you have to enroll at that school in spring. That would that would be my or spring fall whenever you're enrolling. Mm. You sign early. You ha- you ha- like if you don't want, if you're not sure you want to go there. Just wait till the later mm-hmm. signing day. The later signing day should be in March. That way, football NFL coaches are lose, getting hired and fired. College coaches are going to the NFL, all that sort of thing. You got March to get position coaches and everybody in there for an actual national signing day. We never needed the early signing period to for guys to enroll early. Like, if you just want to enroll in school in, in January, you didn't have to sign early. Like, that was never a thing. So you can still enroll even if you didn't sign your national letter of intent at any point. So it doesn't, it, it doesn't affect the early enrollees in any way. And then I think you get to the, the, the postseason, and we got conference championship weekend, the first weekend of December, there's no more Heisman bye week. Like mm-hmm. if you want a Heisman trophy, give it out on a Wednesday, give it out on a Tuesday or something. I don't know. Give the Sunday after conference championship, but we got to go straight from conference championship into the playoff. And we're going to have a three, three round, three weeks, right? The round of 12 round of eight round, four weeks Mm. round of four. And then the championship. So hopefully the championship can be on like January 1st, that like first week of January, like that sort of thing. January 1st is just such a huge TV day for bowl games. So I know that, that they want those like semifinal games around there, big time bowl games, something like that. Also, this is what nobody else is talking about. Cardale mm-hmm. Jones tried to tell you people a decade ago, they're not playing school. They're not there to play school. These college football programs are the biggest money makers these universities have. So for that reason, move the damn academic calendar back a couple weeks. No no division 1, no school of division 1 college football 
should start their spring semester before January 20th, right? Like you move Hmm. that back the third week of January, some sort of whatever you want to make it so that it doesn't interfere with the college football playoff uh, postseason. Guys have ample time to finish out their commitment with their team, figure out the university they want to enroll in for the spring. That's uh, that's how I fix college football right there, sir. I don't hate that. Also, just like, why do they have to be in, like, just put them in the middle semester? Like, uh, like the middle, uh, just do, why do they have to be enrolled? Maybe that's a new rule is where they're like, they're in the university, but they don't take classes or whatever, or they don't have, you know what I mean? There's got to be a way around the portal windows being what they are because yeah. of classes starting back. There's so junior. many online classes, right? Yeah. Like you can probably figure out something transferable credits or, yeah. or something like that. Cause yeah, they're, they're different students. Like we all mm-hmm. know this. They're not, they shouldn't necessarily be treated the exact same. There's a way around it so that they're, they're taking. Well, the there is a major way around it, which is you separate them from the university altogether. And we just like you license <laughs> Tennessee, you license university of Georgia and they can do school on their own time. They, they are allowed to do that. You can but, use a free. Hey, like, there's obviously like the commercial says, there's a lot of these guys, 99% of them are going pro in something other than sports. So there's yeah. obviously, they're not all professional athletes. No. So the education is a valuable aspect of getting uh the scholarship so you, you don't have to even you don't have to up 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 in the entire system you know it's i just think you need to do something more so that this isn't we're not just in this chaotic month of like mm. alabama and michigan and washington texas are prepping for the biggest games of the season right now and their coaches are flying around the country trying to mm-hmm. trying to sign high schoolers like this it's, it's, we're just we're not we're we're messed up like we're not we're not doing these things right so we just need to get this get the sport a little bit back on the rails and there's no czar so i don't think it does i just think we're going to continue just doing crazy stuff in this sport until they split from the ncaa and have their own governing body maybe the cfp creates their own governing body that i, I don't know but there needs to be a split sooner rather than later chip kelly had a great outline about what he would do uh that i liked a lot um that i would highly encourage folks to listen uh his two and a half minute um answer uh from from last week i, I really enjoyed that and i, I just love chip but well um, and, and chip kelly he was talking about right like they the college football conferences can just be arbitrary right mm-hmm. like they don't even need them like notre dame is in a different conference than other sports mm-hmm. um so obviously it you're you're able to do that um, but I'm saying you can still keep the whole their students at the university still and and do something like what Chip Kelly is doing. Like you don't have to make these guys just pro athletes and they just happen to be living on on the campus of this university and they're not affiliated with the school in any way. Like I don't think that's the answer. It might be where we're headed. I don't know. Who knows? It's just that something has to change because this December calendar is absurd and I couldn't imagine how terrible it's got to be for these coaches. Um, all across the board, especially like the ones you said, who are literally preparing for the college ball playoff. And they're also having to bust their ass uh, doing this down the stretch. So uh, more also, power to them. That's what the money is for. Of course. But also like we're, we're not, we're talking about them. Like what about, like you said, we haven't even been paying attention to the bowl games. Georgia Southern played in a bowl game a couple of days ago, right? Like those other programs that aren't doing very well that are playing mid-December bowl games, no disrespect to the mid-December, mid-December, it might have been your best season in years. 
but you're not a big time. You're not playing in a big time bowl. Like you're literally playing in a game mm. within days of signing day. Like this, we just got to do something about this. Well, you know what else you could do? You could move the start of the season up so that bowls happen earlier. And a lot of these bad bowls happen at end of November early december like maybe that's part of it you finish up all those like i don't know like i think the calendar know, needs man. to move those, up anyway those early september uh saturdays are pretty hot in uh in the south and i i don't i don't know if i don't <laughs> want to move those into august yeah i i mean look, playing a noon kickoff in gainesville florida <laughs> on august 17th i don't know i just I, you got to do something because December is broken in college football. Um, any final things? Uh, oh, let's hit Georgia, who we said uh, is number one. Uh, they have the number one signing class here. Matt Green um, lose Dylan Royola, which was uh, growingly expected to Nebraska. He posted a poem uh, about <laughs> his uh, decision to um, make the flip to Nebraska. His uncle is the offensive line coach. Obviously, his dad played at Nebraska. Yeah. It's, um, hey, Kyle McCord, we thought was going to go with him. And then Kyle McCord, because Fran Brown's out here doing work up at Syracuse, uh, pulls Brown. Kyle McCord from Ohio State. But um, also a guy who was like a Georgia Bulldog assistant coach like a couple weeks ago. And now he's just like putting in work at Syracuse. Uh, life comes at you fast, Matt Green. But yeah, you gain KJ Bolden in a huge late flip. Uh, the Buford curse is over for georgia as they land yes. uh big time buford uh safety in kj but uh what do you make of georgia wrapping up the number one overall class in 2024 matt green they did get isaac nada a couple years ago and there's obviously been a, a buford player here mm -hmm. there um but yeah not it, the same it pedigree, seem like the big time buford guys never go to georgia mm -hmm. Um, so to lose Dylan Riola and still have the number one class before signing uh, KJ Bolden, that was uh, this is it just shows how how um, loaded this Georgia class has really been. Like it's just a it's a classic Kirby Smart class, really. Like this is the the third number one class Kirby Smart has signed, seventh top three class in the last eight years. Um, so number one corner. Number one safety, <clears throat> excuse me, number one safety, number one linebacker. Like, it's just, it's a pretty loaded class. And actually, I saw the last three number one safeties in the country from Jefferson, from Mill Creek, and from Buford. Like, that hmm. that area, I don't know what, what Northern Gwinnett, uh, Jackson County is doing with uh, with safeties. But, but yeah, so Georgia, obviously, with a, with a loaded class. But, but Dylan Riola, this... I'm glad you said it on this poem. Like, what is this guy doing with the poem? I expect, I feel like I expect this from someone who's like new to the limelight. You know what I mean? Like your, your dad's a professional athlete. Like when you told your dad, you're going to do this. He had to think like, really, bro, you're going to like decommit from Georgia with like a poem. And you're going to compare yourself to Johnny Rogers and Eric Crouch and these other great Nebraska players. Like, and I don't know. It was just, uh, I think it's, you know, good luck to Dylan Riola. I think it's a, it's a questionable decision. I think Georgia fans have to be happy about uh, Ryan Puglisi in this class because he was committed to Georgia. Riola committed and he said, okay, like I'm still going to Georgia. And the fact that that never, he never wavered from that, I think is, uh, was always, I think that did a lot for him in, in the eyes of Georgia fans. And maybe just says something about this guy about this guy's confidence in himself but yeah georgia with another with another loaded class this year 
Yeah, and I mean, they they lost a lot in the portal, but part of the reason they're losing guys in the portal is because they have a lot of talented dudes behind them, right? Like, that seems to be the issue there with James Dumas Johnson winding up at Kentucky and as a transfer, Marvin uh, ended up at Florida State. Like, it's not because of an issue with where Georgia is. It's not a panic meter. It's just because the snaps just aren't there because you have these young five stars behind them pushing, and it's just... They're crowded with talent. That's what it seems like from the outside looking in. Is that what's going on there? For sure. I mean, it's just you look at the there's like what 16 in the in the portal to this point. And obviously Georgia's gonna have a few early uh draft entries, not not too many um this year, but and then you look at what are they bringing in 28 in this in this year's class? 28, yep. Um, so yeah, it's like, you, you gotta, there's, there's some attrition that's, that's bound to happen. And I don't know if other Georgia fans feel this way, but Xavier story is a uh, transfer to Arkansas. I, I think, um, I've seen multiple guys going to Syracuse. There's something about when these guys go to like somewhere else that a former Kirby smart coach is, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm happy for it. It's like, he wants to be at Georgia, but he's not good enough. So he's going to go to the next best thing. And and go to a guy who who used to coach at Georgia, but yeah. So Fran Brown, especially Fran Brown, like I think uh, KJ Bolden apparently said something like Fran, the way Fran Brown talked about Georgia after he left was like a reason that he gave Georgia like another look. So I think uh, definitely shout out Fran Brown for everything he did for Georgia's defensive back group uh, while he was there. No doubt. Um, Matt Green, uh, to pivot, uh, quickly, because I'm sure uh, the good folks are curious about Tennessee's class here. Um, overall, like uh, the Tennessee Vol sports guys, we were talking about it over text and stuff. One of the things that's been very frustrating for the Vols recruiting of basically since August is they've missed on all of their big time targets. Like we went through the list, but like Chris Cole, who ended up at Georgia, he was one of those early ones who was down to Tennessee. Kai Bates was the Tennessee would finish number two for him both times. Uh, first with LSU, then with Florida State. Um, then you had, uh, obviously, Jordan Seaton. It looked like you were leading there late. And then it, he goes to Colorado, and now he's going to Maryland. Maybe you still end up with Jordan Seaton because that one just has so many twists and turns that it wouldn't shock me if he still wound up in Knoxville. It wouldn't shock me if he didn't. Um you you're just all over the place ryan wingo you're still in play for like you get mike matthews uh five-star receiver you get the five-star uh edge number one edge in 247 and jordan ross um probably helped by james pierce becoming uh an absolute dog uh this past year uh for tennessee and breaking out on that side so that was a that's a big recruiting win to go into alabama and pull that kid from vestavia hills um with the amount that auburn and alabama pulled i think that's a big hold for tennessee there but you know, um, a lot of good defensive talent here. They did really good on the offensive line. Uh, Bennett Warren, good player, offensive tackle um, from Texas. So you get him in the boat. Uh, you get Gage Genther, uh, another offensive tackle that Colorado really wanted um, from the state of Colorado. And then the transfer portal, you do okay. Um, you wind up with uh, Jermon McCoy transfer, who's a four-star transfer from Oregon State. He started as a true freshman. Um, he'll start on one side probably uh, from Ricky Gibson. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. 
no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yet Holden Stays, who was the best tight end in the portal from Notre Dame. So I think he's gonna he was a big, big win. So him and Ethan Davis being your two tight ends going into next year, that's a big win for Alec Ablin and company. Um, and then Jacoby Thomas probably uh just a rotation guy uh transfer from middle tennessee state so we'll see where he fits in but i mean it's a fine class but i think one of the weirder parts and i think what frustrates tennessee is they didn't finish strong but the last two classes like they're still the best tennessee has recruited over the last two years of since the former era like and you look at the player ratings average um 91 point something it's number 11 in the country and they finished number 13 um overall it's not quite where you want to be. There was a chance if you close on Seton, Roger Saliapunga, who ended up at Oregon, maybe a couple more of those guys, you're right there at the five spot. And it's just the margins are so thin here. And you saw with recruiting and like how quickly it can change for Florida today. Look, it could have gone way worse. You kept the guys you need to keep. You're right there. You'll be in the blue chip ratio going into next year. It's where you want to be. I think the other big thing that's kind of a surprise is like Nico wasn't a big recruiter. Like he didn't bring in as many big guys with him that uh, you may have thought the number one overall player in last year's cycle would bring in. Um, we're all still excited. It's not really, it's it's not an indictment on Nico or anything. It's just kind of surprising that he didn't bring more with him. Cause I mean, he's a cool player. He's huge. And when you listen to other recruits talk about cool him, guy, yeah, like there's just, He's calm, cool, collected. Like, he's just a cool dude. Um, and obviously, extremely talented. People know about the NIL deal and all that. But everyone's excited. And you would assume, because of just how many elite quarterbacks there are to go around, that if you're a four-star, five-star playmaker, or really anybody, you want to come play with Nico for, for two years. Because it seems like the upside's pretty high to play with someone who could be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft in a couple of years. So um that's been probably the biggest surprise is that you didn't go from like a 10 to 12 um team ranking number to like five to nine at least one of these two years but they're going to be in the blue chip ratio we'll see what happens and you just need stability at tennessee that's where i'm just at is like hypo isn't quite where he needs the this program to be recruiting wise to compete with the georgias the bamas of the world year in year out but they have the roster and the depth and the young talent they do have it's good enough to make the playoff. It's good enough to be one of those 12-team playoff teams going into next year. And then I think my gut tells me with the 2025 in-state class that Tennessee is strong in-state going into next year. And kind of what you just saw with Ole Miss with uh, Lane Kiffin and how aggressive they were in the portal. My gut tells me 2025 is the year to watch, or I guess 2024 going into 2025 for Tennessee because it'll be year two for Nico. A lot of in-state talent, a lot of these guys. And I just... My gut tells me they're going to be heavy in the portal, just kind of stacking to see if they can make a national title run this following year. But 
look, it's fine. It's that you didn't close well with some guys that you needed to hit on to get to that top five, top eight number. But by and large, you're stable. Josh Eiffel's already won a lot of games. Big year in year four to see how things uh, go uh, with Nico. What happens to recruiting next year if Nico balls out and players see Nico being a Heisman type guy right away? What kind of effect does that have? My guess is that would be a nice, nice help. But look, it's fine. Like it's really hard recruiting right now, especially in the SEC, is a bloodbath. And I also think sneakily, Auburn being back really hurt Tennessee because some of those guys you just think Tennessee would have been uh, more in play for, and Oklahoma getting right um, hurt Tennessee, and Mizzou kind of getting right hurt Tennessee in a way. So certain programs that they've won recruiting battles with the last couple of years, um, it's just harder to win because I mean, Auburn being the big winner here, uh, being back and recruiting at a, on an onslaught this year. Yeah. Auburn, this was their first top 10 class since uh, 2020. So it's been a few years since Auburn has been up there and in Miami finishing number three, this was their first top yeah. five class since 2008. So like Miami, that's just a, a total wild card being thrown in there. But the biggest thing when I look at Tennessee's recruiting is they had the 13th ranked recruiting class, right? Mm. Penn State had the 14th ranked recruiting class, and it's the third ranked recruiting class in the conference, now with Oregon being in the Big Ten. Clemson had the 12th ranked recruiting class in the country, and it's the third ranked class in the ACC. Tennessee, right in between both of those teams, signing essentially the same class as Penn State and Clemson, they're the seventh mm. best uh, class in the SEC uh, with Oklahoma and Texas coming in now. And that's just, damn, it's tough. It's tough to win when you have basically a middle-of-the-road roster in the SEC. As good as as good as good 13th in the country is, that's just that, that's what it is in the SEC. That can be... That can be average when it comes uh, down to it on Saturdays. That's why you have to kill it in the portal. And you can't do it every year, right? Like you can do 12th, 13th, whatever this year. You need to be at the 7th, 8th next year. And then you can fall. You know what I mean? You're like you can't just be, you can't live in that zone There's every no year. There's no reason. SEC. Yeah. There's no reason Tennessee can't be in that teetering on top five classes. Mm. Like they're, they're a big time program and they have the big time NIL to go with it. And, and Josh Heupel is you know, a proven offensive mind. But yeah, I think I think this year is definitely big. This upcoming 2024 and the 2025 recruiting class will definitely be big to uh, to keep the momentum going. Absolutely. Um. Well, Matt Green, we have a couple burning questions. We'll do these sporadically uh, during the college football offseason, even though it's not the offseason, but it kind of is until the playoff. We'll do our <laughs> playoff predictions um, and big preview going into next week shows because i will be here before you know it sir like the playoff will be here in what 10 days just about um when this goes up but before we get into that matt green we mentioned or we didn't mention this one thing that happened with georgia this week carson beck is back um so i ask you resident georgia bulldog analyst and super fan matt green how big is it for georgia to get carson beck back next year I saw in one of your social media posts, you you tagged me as a super fan. And I don't know, I feel like that, uh, you know, it doesn't do me justice on my credibility. They're like, oh, this guy's just super fan. I can't get taken as a grain of salt. Um, no. Um, but Carson Beck coming back, I mean, I think that's massive news for Georgia. I think, you know, 
I think we don't know Quinn Ewers is back. He said he's coming back, but um, you, you talk about the the contenders coming into into twenty twenty four. Like Georgia's going to have as good of quarterback as anyone in college football. Like this guy's a potential number one pick in the twenty twenty five NFL draft. So yeah, I mean, I think it's massive. A second year starting, like you're you're seeing Georgia making some moves in the portal to get even better playmakers. Obviously, they're not going to have a Brock Bowers on the team next year, so. It's hard to say their playmakers will be as good without a three-time All-American, but I mean, I think uh, with Carson Beck back, I mean, just that has to just be one less thing to worry about. That you feel like Georgia's floor is going to be very, very high when you're not really worried about the quarterback position. Right. I um, I think it's it's interesting because it feels like one of the funny things I saw from Georgia fans. I was kind of surprised was like this shows that the I mean, this makes their title run easier. Like, would you have been concerned that they couldn't win the title with Gunnar Stockton uh, going in next year? Or do you think they would have gone with the portal? What do you think they would have done? And what would you have preferred they have done if Carson Beck left? I think they would definitely have gone to the portal uh, if, if Beck was gone. I mean, I don't know. Supposedly, that's one of the reasons Raiola looked elsewhere was I think that was discussed, that if Beck goes, that Georgia probably would look to the portal. Who knows what's true and what's not, but I think, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like Gunnar Stockton's completely unproven. Like this guy is a, you know, a, a big time prospect, but not even like, it's not like he was a can't miss five-star prospect or something. Like, I think he's big time and he wants to go to Georgia. And so that right there says something about him not being afraid of the competition and that sort of thing in the crowded QB room. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a, like, there was a lot of question losing Stetson Bennett. And having a guy like Carson Beck as a first-time starter that had been in the system for a while, it's like going doing that again and not – we've seen even less of Car- of Gunnar Stockton than we've seen of Carson Beck. It's like he's going from third string to first string at that point. Like at least uh, Beck got all the backup duty uh, in 2022. Like Vandergriff was getting all the backup duty in 2023. So, yeah, I think without a doubt their, their championship – uh, their realistic chances of a championship are significantly higher with Beck coming back. And look, I think Georgia fans are still scarred from Jamie Newman going to the portal mm. to try to uh, get a stopgap at the quarterback position. Yeah. I Are we assuming they're better next year? Do you think based on this class and what's coming back and with all the guy at the port- portal departures, do you think Georgia will be better than the Georgia we saw this year? Um, it's hard to say because Brock Bowers is definitely the best player on the team. So mm. he's just a tight end. He's probably not as important as the quarterback, but he's still he's just a difference maker. Um, so you look at the the skill players George is going to have. I feel like those those probably won't be significantly worse. Like the the running back, the two uh, Kendall Milton's gone, so mm. I think Edwards might be gone too. Um, so like the running back, you know, it wasn't a great year at, at the position so that could get be just as good if not better um but i think you look at the defense there's a lot of youth on the defensive side jamon dumas johnson going to kentucky like that was one that kind of was like a head scratcher for a lot of people but i think you you saw for one he didn't have a, a great season uh the probably the first half of the year and then he got hurt and so you already saw cj allen kind of taking some of his snaps when he was actually healthy and then once he got hurt you know, CJ Allen and Raylan Wilson both uh, played a lot. So I think there was a chance that Jamon Dumas Johnson's snaps were just going to go down next year. And George was probably going to sub a lot. And 
he wants to go somewhere and be the number one guy. Uh, and he's at Kentucky now. So I think, uh, I think there's a very good chance that Georgia is just as good as they were in 2023, if not better. So, you know, Javon Bullard is still a guy who could potentially come back for his senior year. I think Kamari, I, I no, no Georgia players have declared to this point. I think Kamari Lassiter is probably a candidate to go pro, but this defense doesn't have a lot of just like superstars that are leaving for the draft or anything. You could get a lot of these guys back next year and they could just be that much better. So uh, I know Van Pran and probably Amarius Mims is probably gone on the offensive line, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, you look at 2023 with how this team was comp- uh, built. It's like, I mean, you could you could argue right now that Georgia is still the best team in the country. Like, if you put them on a on a neutral field with anybody, they may be favored over every single team in college football. Alabama beat them, so they're not playing for the playoff. But this, they're the way this team was constructed was was perfectly capable of winning a championship. So they could be just like they are. Were, uh, they could be just like they were in 2023 and 2024 and be capable of winning a championship again. We shall see. That's why they play the games, Matt Green. Absolutely. And the schedule is obviously uh, the the wild card there, too. Like, yeah. They only have three home games in the SEC, Clemson out of conference, Texas and Alabama on the road. So the schedule is no joke. There's going to be no yeah, but about what George is doing uh, on the field next year. If they, if they start... If they start five and zero, six and zero, they're going to be like the consensus, like number one team in the country. So th- there won't be any uh, any anything to say about the the strength of schedule. Speaking of uh, just contenders and everything else, Old Miss obviously we'll see what happens with Walter Nolan, the number one player in the portal altogether. He's down to uh, Oregon and Old Miss reportedly. Buy or sell, Matt Green? Old Miss is building because I think this there's two different conversations here, and I'm curious where you're that with this buy or sell old miss is building a 2024 contender for an actual title or are they building just a playoff contender because that's our i've heard contender thrown around and them going for it i'm I'm hearing a lot of old miss is going for it so for you <laughs> juice wells good give before Walter i answer Nolan, your question yeah. on on this on this rundown here you have fsu vibes mm-hmm. and i need you to explain what fsu vibes means because I have this feeling you're saying FSU vibes as in they're a contender but not a true title contender. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Where like because I take Skep- offense to that, sir. <laughs> FSU did not lose to anybody. Who's to say they were not a true title contender? I think they lose if they play an SEC schedule. But I had my Jordan Travis doubts. I have some Jackson Dart doubts. I don't know if Jackson Dart can win three playoff games in a row. Um, I don't know if he can beat Alabama. AM, LSU and company next year. Um Georgia, Georgia too. Yeah. Like I Dart's fine. I like Dart. Like he was better this year than he was last year, but he doesn't pop off the page. I don't think Jackson Dart's going to be in the Heisman finalist group. I don't think he's going to be one of the four. I could be wrong. We'll see what year three. It would um, be like a Bo Nix Heisman. That's like okay, his stats, yeah, his stats might say one one thing, but we know he's not the best player in college football like right and what i mean by the be, fsu thing kind of heisman i could see like if old miss played in a if they played in the acc next year with this roster they'd be the favorite potentially like you could talk me into old miss being the best acc team next year but 
this schedule's hard, and the reason I put FSU vibes on the rundown is this when I was thinking about contender and Tudor, there FSU wasn't in the blue chip ratio this year. Um, they obviously were very top heavy. They won big in the portal. Like Keon Coleman was a huge ad. Jared Verse obviously was a great ad the year prior. They have a lot of dudes. They did really well in the portal, but it was top heavy. If they got hit with some injuries, they would have been in some trouble, but they played a weaker schedule, played a weaker conference. Old Miss has got a great schedule. So that's one of the positives here. If you're looking at Old Miss and you're trying to talk yourself into them being I don't know about great, it's a great schedule for the SEC. It's not for... a gauntlet. I no. would say. Yeah, that's fair. I just they got it's not a gauntlet, but I mean, just to share with people, they still have at LSU, Oklahoma, and Georgia on it, mm-hmm. and at Florida. So it's not Florida. But I mean, really you'll be favored in what two of those games at least. But it is. It's. It's it's not the worst schedule I've seen for sure. It looks it looks a little like a Missouri schedule from a few years ago. You got some Kentucky and South Carolina. There are a lot of SEC East on there, uh, but yeah, really no one at a conference. Wake Forest, the toughest non-conference game mm-hmm. they play. So it's definitely it's not the worst I've seen for sure. To me, when I looked at it, it was a ten and two, and ten and two in the SEC can get you in the playoff, and that can get you in that bottom half, and you sneak in, and then anything can happen. My thing I think, is, I think that ten and two would be more impressive than this year's ten and two. Oh yeah, I would agree. And you look at it, and I'm like, hmm. I just, I don't think they're a title contender. I still just think they're a playoff contender. Could they win a couple games potentially? Well, that... I just don't think Jackson Dart's going to run the gauntlet. I don't think they have the all around depth to still. I just can't get there with Ole Miss. So when I'm hearing Ole Miss is going for it and Ole Miss is bringing all these dudes and I'm like, they're good players. Like Ole Miss has done really well on the portal. I just don't think it's going to be enough for them to be true, true title contenders. I don't even think they're going to be better than what we saw from FSU this year. Playoff contender means something completely different though. Yeah. It's like you're a top 15 team. You're a playoff contender versus like needing to be top six or seven. So yeah, I think they're definitely a playoff contender. They're they're killing it in the portal. They're doing mm-hmm. some serious some serious uh, work in the portal. So uh, if they get a guy like Walter Nolan to to add on to all of that, I think that you have to say they're a legit contender because also title contender. Hey, I mean, what's a title contender? Like TCU played for a national championship, right? Could they you see Ole Miss playing contender. for a national title next year? I mean, I would never predict it, but you know, they went ten and two. And That's what I want. Better, these people who are throwing Old Miss as a contender, I'm like, put your name on it. Say I can see Old Miss in the national championship next year because I can't. I mean, that's fair, but I, I mean, it's just just because we haven't seen it. But they they went ten and two, and if they get better, it's like they're eleven and one, and they're in the SEC championship. So it's it's not like they're that far off. Uh, from from achieving that but but i'm with you I, as someone who's definitely said old miss was a fraud more times than not um i think they're definitely they're seeming more and more legit than they have and look i like what they're doing to be clear i'm not hating on old miss they're doing the bet like lane kiffin is maximizing every last bit of what he can to win at old miss pete golding's doing work on the recruiting trail these are all positive. What they're doing is correct. They're finding a way to win and they're putting all their chips in with a nice schedule, with a lot of returning talent. Like they're doing the right things. Like I am not disagreeing with that. But when people start throwing around the word contender, I'm like, what do you mean by that? Do you mean that they're going to be the best team in the SEC this year? You want to put your name on that? You want to do you, are you sure you want to go down that road? Do it. If you want to do it. I'm I think they're going to be very I good. Mean, power rankings wise, mm. what were they like the third best team in the SEC this year? Fourth? Going into next year? 
I'm just saying this year. And oh, I know. I'm season. only talking 2024. I'm saying. But I'm just saying if they were third, Texas and Oklahoma fourth, are coming into this conference, Matt Green. That's that's definitely a valid point. And Texas, I mean, Texas was better than them this year. Yep. Oklahoma could be better than them not, next year. They might not have been better than Ole Miss this year. They, like we're we'll decide that one on October 28th. Yeah. Uh, in Oxford, Mississippi. Do you think they're better than all, Auburn next year? I mean, that's a pretty they don't play Auburn, but uh that's a pretty big jump uh for Auburn to make. I mean, they that's a a six-win team. Yeah. Or were they seven wins? Seven five? Seven and five, yeah. Seven five. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think uh I mean Auburn could make that jump, but if Peyton Thorne's still the guy, like how big of a jump are they making? That's fair. The quarterback stuff's still quite bad. <laughs> um, but also I think Tennessee I think like, they're gonna I neutral think site Tennessee Old Miss, I would pick Tennessee with Nico and company. I I, I, would, I would go that way. I'm sure you would. <laughs> <laughs> could be wrong, but we'll see. Um final one Where's here, Bulldog, November 9th going to traveling to oxford so that'll be a big time one that'll be a sneaky huge game um but look I'll, and then they got a late bye and then florida and mississippi State. well this is a two bye season for everybody yeah. which will be and, and we got old miss uh mississippi state on a saturday it looks yeah late. they moved it i don't like that uh man i love that game on thanksgiving I, night i'm sure they didn't like it i'm sure families didn't really like that that was like something they had to do or maybe but no, I, I preferred that. I was a big fan. I watched the yeah. Lions, watched the Lions at noon, and then uh, watch Ole Miss, the Cowboys at some point will play, mm-hmm. and then uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State at night. Is AM uh, Texas? Do we know what day that is? They Isn't played it on Friday? Thanksgiving. They put on Thanksgiving sometimes, right? No, right they put it on Friday, the Friday okay. after Thanksgiving, like Black Friday. Yeah, man, I'm disappointed by that. Egg Bowl on Thursday, A&M Texas on uh, on Friday. That's, that's rivalry weekend's it. all about. When's November 30th? I think I just just looking at. It, I think that's a Saturday, actually. Is it? Let's see. I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah, that's a Saturday. Uh, I guess they are playing Saturday this year. I thought they were doing it on Friday. Maybe Arkansas, Missouri. They'll keep that uh, that Friday slot. Yeah. That they seem to like. Um, who knows? Hmm. That's sad. And it was a Thanksgiving Day game from 08 to 2011. So you're right. I thought it was the Friday, but it was Thanksgiving. Okay. Hmm. Have, um, we ta- have we talked since the SEC schedule release? Did we even talk about that? That was a, a whole thing to get into. And we're not doing that. It's, <laughs> Tennessee's going to go 12 and 0. Um, final thing here, Matt Green. Do they have next year? Hmm? Who does Tennessee? NC State? Is that the only yeah. like good? Okay. Good not conference game, yeah um these big 10 schedules released though like michigan playing texas next year and like oregon it's uh or maybe they play washington yeah there's some there's some good ones for sure um final one here and we'll wrap up tonight matt green most intriguing quarterback move in the portal for you was who I have a couple different ways to go with this so i'm gonna start with the guys that have committed places Dylan Gabriel and Dante Moore both going to Oregon is a kind of the most intriguing thing because it's like I guess we're just building rosters now. It's like mm. you know, like what we got to have a first and second stringer. Who knows? Like battle it out. Maybe that's the new approach. You just get whoever you can get, battle it out, go to the portal again next year. But that's hard to do, man. That's a lot of money too. That's the other problem. Is that's expensive to do what Oregon's but doing maybe, is expensive. 
Maybe. And and Dante Moore, maybe he's just it's he knows he's not gonna play right away and he's just like, look, I should have stayed committed to Oregon. I made it, I made it, mm. I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> uh, so maybe that's all it is, is correcting his decision uh from the previous year. But Will Howard going to USC mm. to play for Lincoln Riley. It's just when I look at the pedigree of Lincoln Riley quarterbacks. It's the whole Sesame Street, which of these things is not like the other. Like Will Howard does not fit with Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts and Baker Mayfield and Caleb Williams, like just Heisman after Heisman. And then Will Howard is Will Howard going to, is he about to go off? I don't know. But if it was at Oklahoma, like we would be like, good get by Oklahoma. Like that's the whole thing. It's, it's a USC thing. It's not a Lincoln Riley thing. Like if it was Oklahoma who stole Will Howard from Kansas State and Lincoln was still there, we'd be like, oh, great get. Because Will Howard's really good. Like Will Howard's but been great for Kansas State. Kyler Murray. But I mean, what Jalen Hurts, what he was yeah. at Bama versus what he did at Oklahoma, like it was night and day. Like would you, do you doubt Howard's going to have a great year for Lincoln? He's going to be great for Lincoln. I'm not, I just, no, it's you're weird right. him that's being in Southern I'm California. In, that's why I'm intrigued because like I've always liked Will Howard probably more than most. Yeah. But I wasn't like, okay, if Lincoln Riley is like the QB whisperer over here is believing in Will Howard. I don't know. I'm like, I'm wondering, was Kansas State holding him back? Is this guy capable of going for a Heisman or something? I don't know. That's one that just kind of I- intrigued me there. No, I, uh, I don't know. I think that's Howard's a fun one. Will Rogers, I'm curious about because he's not a, like the arms, not as explosive like Michael Penix throws bombs and has a great deep ball will rogers at washington i'm very curious to see how kalen DeBoer pivots because it's going to be interesting there's going to be a drop off in talent you're not going to have those receivers that uh michael Penix has had this year i'm curious if will ha- or will rogers can keep it going um for the huskies and kalen DeBoer can maximize what we saw from will the last couple years prior to this new staff uh, with mike leach but i'm i'm also just curious if it works like that's one i'm i'm just circled i'm like that's one it's like the milton hooker thing where it's like i don't know if will rogers is actually good and i'm curious he's gonna place a a lot of big time defenses in the big 10 uh for washington and kalen DeBoer is one of the best coaches in the sport best offensive minds i'm very curious if he can make that work and will rogers gets back on track in his final college year I'm with you there. I just don't, I haven't bought Will Rogers to be honest. So mm-hmm. I think I'm with you. And I, and honestly, I think, I think Penix got a little too much love in general. Like I think a, a lot more of it was about the playmakers that Washington has. So, I mean, without those guys too, his job's going to be a whole lot tougher, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, going to the big 10, like, I don't know what some, some air raid, what that looks like going to the big 10. Like maybe it's, Maybe those people in Minnesota and Wisconsin won't know how to how to how to defend that, but I don't know. I think uh, I'm I'm not necessarily buying that either. No, the one the one I think the most overrated quarterback in the portal. I get I get Derek King vibes. No no disrespect from De- to Derek King, new quarterback but he, coach. But at he wasn't SMU, He wasn't what he what people thought he was going to be when he went to Miami, and that's what I feel about Cam Ward. I oh. feel like Cam Ward is like gonna be entreated that like he's kind of a plug and play. And like if someone's a quarterback away from winning a title, he can come in there and, and help you win a title. And I'm not sure he's that guy. Like, mm. so I don't know. You've seen a lot of Miami, a lot of Florida State stuff with him. 
Like, I don't know. I don't know what Ohio State is going to do at, at quarterback. They seem like someone who's like a quarterback away. I don't know. But Cam Ward, he he feels like he's going to be treated as like the name that everyone talks about that's going to take someone to the next level. And I'm not sure he's that guy. That's fair. I I don't – Florida State, man, if they end up with DJU, I'm like – DJU was not good this year. It wasn't, this was not the reason that Oregon State was cooking um, with gas. I, the drop off there, and I think they, I don't know, Florida State losing a lot of guys to NFL draft. Like they need Cam Ward a lot more than they need DJU. So I, I think if you're a Florida State fan, you're really hoping, regardless of some wondering about how Cam Ward does jump into the ACC from Wazoo. I mean, you want Cam Ward 11 times out of 10 over TJU if you're a Florida State fan. Yeah, absolutely. And and then the one that is he the highest ranked quarterback in mm. in the portal rankings, Aiden Childs from Oregon State going to Michigan State yeah. with Jonathan and Smith. Like I've I've never seen this guy play. So yeah. <laughs> I know he was like a top hundred recruit coming out, but like this guy for him to be the number one quarterback, is this is this gonna be like just some Cam Newton stuff that no one was ready for? And he just takes the college football world by storm? Like I have no idea. But maybe. Um, but yeah, for him to be the number one ranked quarterback in the portal that i i would think most college football fans don't really know about i'm i'm a big jonathan smith guy and michigan mm. state is one of those programs that like we've seen be good in recent history and it's just been a while so well other than the one year with mel tucker it's been a while so i'm uh i'm curious to see what what, what they do next year well that's all i've got matt green fun show uh, got it we we shook the the cobwebs off here a little bit after a week away and uh a lot of stuff happening. National Signing Day in the books. Early National Signing Day, that is. A couple of big ones will pop up uh, down the line here over the next couple of weeks. But bowl season well underway. Whatever is left of it. Tennessee uh, plays in the first. Georgia, Florida State. We'll see who's left over to play in that game uh, between two programs that very much don't want to be there. Um, yeah, at least Georgia's... I, don't, I haven't heard many opt-outs. Like mm -hmm. Every Florida State key player basically has opted out to this point. So... I don't know. It's it's definitely not going to it'll still be more fans than a regular Miami home game, but uh it's it's not going to be a lot of enthusiasm in there. No. Matt Green, always a pleasure. I'll talk to you very soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.